everybody, and thanks for joining us on another week of the Rec Poker Podcast, Chad's Edition. Uh, I'm your host, Jim Reed, Blufsterini in the home game, and I'd like to thank uh, our, ho- our uh, wonderful sponsors, Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, and uh, everything that Website Mark does over there at Website Amp. Um, so as you know, every week we join a, a panel of recreational poker wizards and we have our premium members in the chat here. So I'd like to welcome Jim and Martha in the chat and I'm sure we'll get a couple more there. If you have any questions, feel free to uh, type them in and we can ask them of our, with well, the one and only RR who we'll get into here in just a second. Um, before we do, uh, panel, why don't you introduce yourselves and let Rec Poker Nation know where they can get a hold of you. Uh, well, I'm Chris Jones. You can find me on 5B5 on Twitter or 5x5 on PokerStars. And I'm John Somsky. I am Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Rabman50 just about everywhere. <laughs> uh, and like I said, I'm Jim Reed, Bluffstreety in the home game. And if you want to learn about me, you can go to rec.poker slash crew where you can click on all these smiling faces, everyone on the Wrecking Crew down there, not just me, but a bunch of other folks that um, all contribute to making Rec Poker a wonderful place. And if you don't know what Rec Poker is, it's a, all it takes is an email address and a smile to get signed up for a free account. Go to rec.poker and find a place to hang out with people that want to learn along like you, uh, play along, find your rail. We have a lot of fun talking about poker and learning together. Um, speaking about learning together, I want to give a couple of shout outs before we get going. First of all, to Roger Schutte, who has uh, been working on us uh, on our podcast here quite a bit for the last few months. And I just wanted to give him the recognition that he deserves. Roger, thank you so much for all that you do, uh, putting this together and, and mixing and, and adding images and that kind of thing. Um, it makes a big difference uh, for us and for the listeners. So Roger Schutte, you are the man. And I'd also like to thank uh, Adam Wolf who recently became a premium Rec Poker member and uh, attended his first uh, Aura as a premium member. So we had a lot of fun talking about his success in the Tournament Champions. And Rob Brereton, uh, who recently joined our Patreon community. So thank you so much, Rob. It helps us a lot to have people go over to Patreon and just uh, buy us a cup of coffee and help us uh, keep the lights on over here and keep us having as much fun as we do. So that's a lot of people involved in Rec Poker. Um, one of the people that we're going to be talking to on the show here, the star of tonight, uh, Remco Rinkema himself, uh, we, we love talking to people in the world of poker because you have such a unique perspective on everything that uh, goes on here. And, and I know our recreational players are going to want to pick your brain a little bit. So Remco, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. And you said you were calling in from Nevada. You're, you're never far from Mecca. Is that my understanding? Absolutely. Without traffic, I'll be at any poker room within 15 minutes, which is uh, is always a good spot to be in. And uh, yeah, lo- loving life here in Las Vegas, even though I live in Henderson. But hey, no one no one's keeping track of that, right? Right. That's right. No, no, your secret's safe with just us here. The word won't get out. I promise. Now you've you've taken quite a, an interesting path to get to where you are today. Um, and and I think is it fair to refer to you as a poker media personality? How, when when people ask you like what do you do for a living, how do you describe uh, your work and your position and your place in the poker world? Yeah, it, it's funny. I, I I sort of look at myself as like a jack of all trades. I, I've done almost everything in in the game of poker besides besides playing at a high level. <laughs> very, very very mediocre at the game. I play all games. I play them all very mediocre at a very mediocre level, but I do do enjoy the game. Uh, and, I, and I have been 
uh, since early 06. That's when I discovered the game of poker. Um, mm. But yeah, poker media personality, that works for me. Um, even though I've, I've sort of stepped away from the media side um, with my new role at Poker Go, um, which if anyone has questions about Poker Go, please you know, fire them at me. I know there's always a lot of confusion or misunderstandings mm. about how certain things work, and I'm more than happy to answer some of those questions. Um, but yeah, ever since the pandemic started, roughly, um, I became the uh, senior media manager. And before that, I was the senior editor. So before that, I was doing a lot more writing, um, covering a lot more events. And, and all of this, of course, dates back to 2006 when I got into the game of poker and I slowly started first uh, translating articles for the mm. Netherlands website. Um, funny side note, the I want to say the 12-part article series about Archie Karras on PokerNews.com uh, was one of the first articles that I translated to Dutch. Um, and then I did uh, EPT live reporting from home, watching the EPT live stream uh, for quite a while before covering my first ever live event back in 08, mm. which was EPT Prague. So from there on out, it sort of got out of hand year after year, things escalated. Um, I quit a job thinking that this poker thing is going to be for real. And then there were some downturns, some upturns, but ultimately I managed to, um, to turn it into a really nice career. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm lucky to say that I now live in Las Vegas. So what else can you ask for? Yeah. I mean, Henderson, but whatever. Yeah. Whatever. So, <laughs> we promise not to mention that. <laughs> So uh, I want to I want to go back to um, that first part of that story there because we've had people on the show, uh, many people, um, Kevin Mathers, Chad McVean, uh, recently that sort of just started doing something they loved in the world of poker, and then that kind of led to a career. So well, can you tell us a little bit about like those first that first step in what what made you feel like you had a way into this poker world? And I mean, I know you loved you, you enjoyed poker. Um, but what made you feel like there was room for you and how did you create that room for yourself at the very beginning as an outsider? Right. That's, that's a very good question. So to go all the way back, when I discovered the game of poker, the poker boom in the Netherlands was just taking off. So like 05, 06, um, it, it was a little bit later than in the US. Uh, we had a TV show called Poker Kings and it was Noah Boken and Marcel Lusk traveling the world and they and this big budget production company, they did a whole year of following them around on the tour. So... That sort of sparked my interest in the game. And I joined the Dutch Poker News Forum. And as many people that love, you know, recreational poker or or poker of all levels and sort of enjoy the game from the sidelines, as far as the big buy and stuff, um, they love coming together in a community. And, and for me, that was the Dutch Poker News Forum, where because of my presence there, I became a moderator pretty quickly and, you know, established sort of, you know, a reputation as someone who really cared. And we do these things like we, we, we'd have members of our forum going deep in online events on stars and full tilt back in the day. And we'd have like a real thread on our forum. We'd post hands, we discuss hands and all that stuff. So, you know, that not only connected me with a lot of people, but it also made me a better player. And I, you know, if, if I was ever ahead of the curve, I probably peaked as as uh, a poker player back in 2009 and 10, where I actually made decent money playing poker, uh, did really well, had a few deep runs and scoop events. Um, so so that basically was the arc of my my life sort of in poker. Um, but as far as working, um, I uh, was going to journalism school when I discovered the game of poker or just before I discovered a game of poker. And in journalism school, my goal was to become a sports writer and a sports journalist. So that already ties in very directly with doing stuff like live reporting. 
So then when I got a chance to translate some articles, because, you know, I was into poker, I know how to write. So that was sort of an easy thing. Um, my next step in my mind was, well, I'll do anything I can for any money. I'll even lose money on it if I can just be in a casino while there's a tournament going on. So what that turned into was the 2008 Master Classics of Poker in Amsterdam. So prior to that, I had been to several, you know, organized events in casinos in the Netherlands and, and casinos are state, state owned. Uh, there's, I think there's 12 of them. None of them that have poker were near where I lived. Mm-hmm. And that's of course on a, on a scale of the Netherlands, which is a very small country, but still, you know, taking a two hour train ride to go to a casino was a pretty big deal. And I was, and I just turned 21. So, um, or no, actually so that was a few years before that, but I, I was still very young. So that was a pretty big deal to me. So anyway, um, 2008 masterclass of poker, I was working at a bank uh, doing customer support because I still lived at home, trying to make it as a poker player, playing online poker. My parents said, you can stay here as long as you have a job. So I worked a job, customer support, played poker basically all night, and then went back to work. Now, 2008 Master Classics rolls around, and Frank Obdeward, better known as Web Joker, uh, he reached out to me and he said, hey, I need someone to write about the Master Classics. Can you do live reporting? And I'm like, sure. I had no idea what I was talking about. No, but you don't say no when that kind of moment comes up, right? You just right. say yes and. <laughs> so I told my boss at the bank, I said, hey, I need I need the next five days off or whatever. And, and you know, it's in the Netherlands, that stuff's pretty lenient. So uh, they said, sure, go ahead. So I show up there. And after the first day, I knew this is what I want to do. This is just phenomenal. Walking around the casino, taking notes, writing hands, and I was very passionate, very driven from the start. So when the Master Classics ended, Frank told his boss, like, hey, I know we have a guy right now, but this mm-hmm. Remco guy seems you know, better, faster, all that stuff. So he said, can we hire him instead? And you know, boss agreed. And uh, four days later, I was on a plane to Prague and I quit my job. So wow. I just jumped in it head first. Um, you know, also, and I get this question a lot from people, how do I get into poker? The first couple of years, I made almost zero money. Like mm-hmm. I lived with my parents. I was in my early 20s and all I did was work. I, I, I grinded my ass off, so to say. I did every single EPT. We did the Unibet Open. I went to the World Series of Poker. We did a bunch of, you know, random sort of independent tournaments. We did a lot of the casino events in the Netherlands. Uh, but basically, it was whatever I could get my hands on, I would do. And then I started writing some more features, doing some articles. Uh, my first WSP was in 09. Haven't missed one since. So it's, I've been to a lot of the World Series Poker events. Um, so that's how it all started. And then in 2011, my now good friend, Donnie Peters, who is also a co-worker uh, at Poker Go, um, he gave me a chance to do live reporting in English. Because keep in mind, mm-hmm. until then, everything I was doing was in Dutch. Mm-hmm. So... 2011 World Series of Poker Europe in Cannes, France was my first ever tryout doing English reporting for PokerNews.com. And that then grew into uh, where I am now. So that's sort of the short of it. And and of course, um, you know, lots of international trips in between. uh, And I I personally think that I got super lucky in a few spots. uh, But at the same time, as I said, the first few years, I literally just said yes to everything. And I I just went all over the world, which was awesome. And it just goes to show, you know, um, you know, being available being enthusiastic. And I think also, you know, being, being fun to work with, uh, you know, having people want to work with you, uh, is an, is a non-trivial factor when it comes to this kind of stuff. Uh, and, and so I, so, so, and then I know that like, talk a little bit about how that, uh, trans translated into Remco media and, and what, and what that transition was like. Yeah, so as I was freelancing with the PokerNews.com website, I was still doing the Dutch work on the side, but it sort of grew to be more and more. And um, at the time, 
I, I met a girl and she was living in South Korea as an English teacher. Um, that gave me an opportunity to be more in the, in the Asia Pacific region. And there's not a lot of competition there as far as, you know, available bloggers and reporters, because a lot of the guys from that market had quit or moved on or mm. weren't available. So for a, a whole year, I basically covered all the events in Asia and in Australia. I went to APPT, NZPT, Aussie Millions, all those events. And uh, this is in 2012. And that's when I realized like, oh, I can do this full time and actually make a living because I was making enough money at that point, 2012, where I was like, oh, I can take this seriously. It can become a career. All I have to do now is, you know, make a bit more money per event, keep my schedule full, and then I'll be fine. And that's when I had a discussion with Donnie to um, to also start doing my own podcast, which I, I can't remember when exactly that was, but I started doing the Remco Report, which is a one-on-one mm-hmm. interview show um, mm-hmm. that, that took off and it did really well for the time that I did it for Poker News. Um, and then there's a, a funny side story that sort of helped me get to where I am now with Poker Go. Uh, I, I want to say it was 2014 or 2015. I can't remember the exact year, uh, but it, I think it's 2015. It was the year Ivy won his 10th bracelet. Um, that year, Lynn Gilmartin had moved on to the World Poker Tour. Christy Arnett, I think, had quit to play poker uh, professionally. So Sarah Herring uh, hired a bunch of new hostesses to do the videos. And I believe that didn't work out or some quit or I don't know. There was some drama happening. And then all of a sudden, because I had done videos in Dutch with my buddy Frank, uh, they're like, hey, Rem, can you hold the microphone? Can you ask some questions? And I was like, same thing as a few years prior. I'm like, sure, let's do it. And still no clue, zero clue what to do. <laughs> um, and and that, was very, that was wildly intimidating because doing the Dutch interviews, those are all players that I knew from the mm. tour. Those are people that I'd hung out with a ton. Now, all of a sudden, I was standing in front of Jason Mercer, and I was like super intimidated. My first ever interview was Amnon Felipe. It was the first ever uh, American player that I interviewed. Um, so basically, that summer in 2015, all of a sudden, I was doing a whole bunch of videos, and some of them were doing very well. If some of you guys remember, I did Ivy stories where you know Phil Ivy was telling all sorts of random stories about his past. Uh, the, the epic one with Raymond Davies where he talks about how Ivy saved the poker world. All this stuff was just hilarious, culminating in... Ivy winning his 10th bracelet and in the, I want to say it was $1,500 horse, some kind of mixed game event. And I'm covering the 10K stud. Still live reporting was my main gig. Donnie messaged me on Skype at the time. He goes, where are you? And I said, tan, tan section Amazon room covering the stud. He goes, you need to come over right now. Ivy just won his 10th bracelet and there's no one else to interview him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, am I just going to interview Phil Ivy for Poker News? This is like the biggest thing that could possibly happen. So I'm shaking. I'm nervous. I'm sweating. And at the time, at the WSOP, this was in the front section of the Amazon room. They had a section to the right when you walk into the room where they had a set of bleachers set up so people could watch those final tables. And Ivy won his bracelet sitting right there. But there was about, like I don't know, 100 people watching in, in person. And this year, there was hardly anyone in the stands. That year, there was tons of people in the stands. So I'm sitting there with my microphone doing my interview with Ivy. And at the very end of the interview, you can still see this. It's still on YouTube. He goes, he, he goes, hold up as I'm about to sign off. So I just like, I don't know. I just sink through the ground and I just want to disappear. And he, go, and he looks, he looks at me and then he looks at the camera and he goes, some of those stories that you've been, you've been covering about me, those are not true. Especially the one with Raymond Davies. So I just, I was like, Ivy watches my videos. This is amazing. This is so funny. Um, but that really sort of jump started me. Uh, doing more and more videos. And I got to practice a lot, which is very important. And um, 
I'm forgetting mm. a whole subsection of what that also entailed because I ended up doing the podcast with Donnie and Jason Somerville for the whole summer uh, for the Poconus podcast for many years. Um, but long story, a very long story short, my biggest advantage that I had was that I was able to do, get a lot of reps in doing a lot of these things, live mm. reporting, writing features, and then doing podcasts, and then ultimately also being on camera. And anyone who listens to this right now, if you record your own voice and listen back to it, you're like, oh my God, do I really sound like that? That sounds terrible. <laughs> well, I, I felt that way first too, but the only reason I got good at podcasting was because I was listening to myself over and over and over again, being very aware of what I sound like, being very aware of how I speak and trying to eliminate things like, uh, and, and what, and like, and all those sort of short words that uh, you're trying to eliminate. So anyway, that, that's like sort of like a summary of, of all the stuff that I've been up to. Well, I, I, I know John has a question, but I got to ask one just quick in the meantime. So uh, I um and uh all the time and I, I stutter a bit. And so what are some ways that I and the rest of the panel here can actually work on that and, and make our, make our uh, orations better, more professional? So for me, it's about speaking actively, like thinking about what you're saying as you're saying it. Oh, that's not a good sign then. Okay. So for me, that comes down to being more aware in the moment that I'm speaking. And to some people, this might make zero sense. But to me, this is, this is important to, to do in my, in my mind. So when I'm doing an on-camera piece, I did a real talk show for Poker Go, which I thought turned out very well. I was extremely nervous, but all I was focused on was what am I going to say? Where am I going to go with this? And what that means is you're not thinking about what you're saying uh, in, in a sense of where am I going with this? No, you already know where you're going. You're just thinking about how you're going to deliver it. And that, I think that's very important. Nice. Thank you. Uh, John? Yeah, I've uh, been a fan of yours ever since you first did your first podcast. I, I am a voracious listener to podcasts, and uh, the Remco Report was one of my favorites. Awesome, man. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, I, I think the thing that came through, it was obvious to anyone listening, was your passion for the game. And I think that is one of the key things that has propelled you to where you are. And I also have to say your accent is much less noticeable than it used to be. <laughs> yes. So true. is that just from living in the U.S. or? Uh... No, it's from listening to myself speak, honestly. Mm. It's just from listening over and over again, editing my own audio and being aware of how I say certain things. There's still, if you catch me on a bad day or you know, if I have a few beers in me, I will drop off. But that's, that goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's active speaking. I'm very aware of my speaking, which, which I think helps. And in general, it makes me a more confident person. You know, If I go to the car dealership to negotiate, I'm in that same mode. I'm just actively thinking about what I'm speaking, how I'm delivering it. So um, yeah, it's a lot of practice. Well, I, I think it's clear that you are definitely a welcomed addition to the poker world. I appreciate so that. It means a lot. Uh, Chris? Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about Poker Go. I just, you know, first of all, I just wanted to congratulate you and everyone there. I thought uh, the series coverage this year was just phenomenal. The main event coverage was like the best it's ever been. It was just, I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't sort of peel myself away. I lost hours and nights of time uh, <laughs> kind of going through all that coverage. And I, I'm just wondering if you can kind of take um for people who maybe either have poker go or don't have poker go should have poker go all those all those people out there take us behind the curtain about the operation um what your role is there and what what it takes 
for to put on an event of that scale with that kind of quality? Well, so to an- answer my part first, which is very easy, I'm responsible for every single video you see on Twitter, on Facebook, and on YouTube. That's my responsibility. I pick the videos, I pick the titles, the thumbnails, all that stuff. So that that the curation of all that stuff from soup to nuts, that's all me. So that's if you want to yell at someone over the videos on those platforms, <laughs> come find me, um, and I'll happily take your criticism. And funny side note, a couple months ago, someone said, "Oh, Pokego, you're stupid. You deleted all these videos." Uh, off YouTube. And I'm like, you're correct. However, which was, what was the video you were looking for? And he said, well, this one very particular hand from the 2013 main event. And I was like, okay, I'll put it back up. And two days later, we had it back on our YouTube channel. The reason they all got taken down is because when we acquired the rights to the World Series of Poker, we uploaded all the content that we then had the ownership of to our YouTube rights manager. And then it just starts auto-striking all the channels that have that content uploaded. So 99% of all those strikes were all automatic based on us now having the rights to it. And the same goes for Facebook, by the way. So that's where that comes from. So if there's a favorite hand that you're missing out on, or if, so if there's a moment from the WSOP or high stakes poker you can't find, just shoot me a DM on Twitter, at and I'll and I'll probably find a way to put it back up. Maybe not now, maybe not next week, but I'll, I'll add it to the queue because we are releasing seven videos a day, seven days a week, every morning, to create that community and that space where you can find all those highlights. So that is what I'm responsible for. And I take that very seriously because I'm a big fan of the game myself as well. So, you know, for some context, prior to us having all that stuff on there, you know, there was a big goal of like, how do we get all this stuff out there? So we have, you know, top five hands from every main event final table that we have ownership of every season of high stakes poker, we have a top five hand. So, you know, if you're a big fan of the game and you're not a poker girl subscriber, we're still giving you all that stuff to watch for free. Um, and then of course we hope you subscribe to watch all the live stuff. Uh, and we're taping a new season of high stakes poker this weekend. So it's really oh, exciting. Oh. The lineups will blow your mind. I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not one to brag, but, and by the way, we always have this thing at poker. We say, always say, we, we don't get happy about our lineups until the butts are in the seats because mm. we know how poker players are. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very flaky. But um, if they show up in, in the way that it's lined up right now, it's going to be an amazing season. But I, I won't say, I won't drop any name, not even a single one. Um, <laughs> but look, look for a release of those episodes in the coming months. The, those are not live shows. They are uh, cut down episodes to give you that authentic feel commentary by Gabe Kaplan and AJ Benza, all that jazz. So it's going to be more of that old school feel that you, that you are used to from high stakes poker, as opposed to the live streams that we do for other shows. Um, now to your second question about what it takes to put all this together, the scale of the stuff is enormous, which is why people sometimes underestimate how hard it is to pivot on, on the fly, just because how much planning and preparation goes into creating a single stream. Now we can argue and, and discuss why certain events are streamed and why certain events are not for the World Series of Poker. But ultimately it comes down to, we have to sit down at the start of the series and draw up a plan from start to finish. You know, main event is pretty simple. We're covering every day so that you don't have to think about that all that much. But for the other events, you want to give people a little bit of everything. Some people want Omaha. Some people want Stud. Some people want, you know, the mixed game. Some people want the big bet, no limit or whatever it may be. So we're trying to do an offering a little bit of everything across the board to give everyone something to watch. And also keeping in mind that some people might not watch it live, but if they catch it in maybe a few months down the line, they type in Omaha on Poker Go. And if we decided to skip all the Omaha events because Negrano was going deep in every tournament and those were all Hold'em, then people are like, well, you're only showing Hold'em. So you can't really win in that discussion, <laughs> but, it's a, but it's, a big, it's, it's a big ship that's hard to turn 
in in that in that ocean of content. So that's why sometimes some things aren't streamed. And to give a very direct example, when we ended up streaming Phil Helmut's bracelet win without whole cards, that was a day off for our crew. So we were like, we have no way to do this because our crew is off today. And keep in mind, we use the same crew for every single stream. So these people are working like a lot of hours across the whole stretch of the World Series of Poker. So that was Mori Eskandani basically, you know, trying to make something happen so people could watch it. And I think what we ultimately de- delivered was not of the quality that we would want a normal stream to be, right. but at least we gave the audience a chance to, to watch Helmuth and in, 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 in all his Helmuthisms uh, collect a 16 bracelet. And then later, uh, I had him on my podcast and we put a really cool video up on our YouTube channel where he discusses the win uh, and we showed footage of him winning and we sort of synced it up and that was that turned out pretty cool. So yeah, yeah that was it, a really tough situation. I think you couldn't really win, right? Like if you didn't show it, people were going to be mad, but if you show it, the, uh, you know, it, the poker world's always going to complain about something, I guess. And, and I think poker go gets to be the lightning rod in some of those, those experiences. But I, I mean, I just, again, I just thought the coverage was just amazing. So I, I, uh, congratulations to you and to everyone who kind of pulled it off. No, I, I appreciate it. And, and I want to, I want to add something more. Um, a lot of times people criticize poker go and they said, well, back in the day, everything was being streamed. And then I said, yeah, back in the day, there was a webcam on a stick and, and <laughs> we didn't care about the quality as much. And we didn't have, we didn't have the capabilities that we have now. So do you want to offer a product where half your streams are webcam on a stick and the other halves are produced? No, you want to deliver a premium product, which is what people pay for. And if you deliver a product that's not premium, then people are like, why am I paying for this? It's webcam on a stick. So it's it's not fair to compare those things. And we are always looking to innovate and we're always looking to add more streams and we're always trying to find ways to give more. Um, but sometimes it's not very easy. It's also very costly to put these things together. And you know, we all, we listen to all the criticisms and we take them all into account and we hope to be stronger every year as far as the offerings of events, just total events, but also the way we cover them, how we cover them and, and the, t- the type of attention we can give to big things happening in the moment, such as the helmet bracelet. Um, that, that was a big example of that. So yeah, ultimately, um, we read it all. We see everything that's being online. It's all being discussed. And um, if it's possible to do something or make changes, then we definitely will. Nice. Now you're in kind of a unique place in the poker world. I know we only have you for a limited time. So I'm going to ask this question of you that I don't ask everybody. Um, you're in the poker world, but you're also an observer of the poker world. Um, and you're kind of in and out of it in the same way. So my question to you is, um, what does the poker world need to do better? And you can take that anywhere you like. What does the poker world need to do better? Wow. That is a very broad question. That is uh, hard it's hard to answer that with like, picking a single thing. What, need, what does the poker world need to do better? Man, that's that's a tough one. Um, Fastball, I, I coming that, at you. I, I think that every brand in poker needs to look at themselves and think about how do I create the best experience for my customer in a way that they will tell their friends and family about it. And they also want to be part of that experience. So I'm talking online providers. I'm talking Poker Go. I'm talking World Series of Poker, EPT, whatever that may be. They have to look inward and say, what makes someone spend their money with me? And, and that I think is, is, is a crucial thing. And I think across the board, there, there are ways to improve. And I think that as long as we all keep doing that, then we'll you know, we'll grow the game in a healthy way. And obviously I can only speak for poker go. And, you know, t- today was sort of like the launching, uh, like the launch day for the 2022 season, because, you know, 
World Series Boca wrapped up Thanksgiving. Everybody right. was out of the office this morning. I saw a lot of people face to face for the first time uh, since the World Series Boca ended, and it was also the first time uh, we were all in the same room, not worrying about the next live stream or the next podcast or, or something along those lines. So today, like innovation started with us. We've made a long list of things we want to work on for 2022. A lot of ideas were thrown around, and that's what I mean with looking inward. Like, what can we do better? How can we innovate? How can we offer new things. And I think that, um, I'll, and I'll give some love here to, uh, to Tana from uh, Run Good. Mm. I think they are approaching it in the right way. And, I, and I'm just quickly going to uh, pull up our schedule. Um, the, the Run Good Poker Series All-Star Pro-Am, uh, day one on uh, Saturday, December 11, uh, day two on Sunday the 12th at the Poker Go Studio. You can still qualify for that event. Um, that is an innovative uh a project that is a big undertaking. It's going to be happening at the PokerGo studio. Uh, that is one of those things that I think Tana does so well. And that is something that did not exist prior to him thinking of that. So I think that's a, that's a good example of it. Um, as far as the World Series Poker goes, which we all you know love and aspire to play in or to visit or be in town for it so we can watch it, um, the move to Bally's, um, I have very high hopes for that. I, I think that moving to a new location makes you check everything, you know, like if you pack the car, to go on vacation, <laughs> yes. you got to make sure you have everything. So maybe that'll open up, you know, new avenues for them to explore new ways of doing things. Maybe, I mean, I, I'm not smart enough to think of ways for them to improve their product, at least not, you know, not knowing what goes on behind the scenes. Same way people criticize Poker Go. I could do that too for any poker company, but I don't know what happens behind the scenes. So I can't really speak on that. But I do think that this might be an opportunity for them to try new stuff. And that's always exciting. So um, to answer your question, in, 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 in I hope it was satisfying. Yeah. To answer your question in a way is that as long as we all look inwards on what we can improve as you know, organizers, promoters, broadcasters, streamers, whatever, uh, then I think we're, we're in a good place. I don't think, and I hate when people do this, I don't think there's one thing that's going to right. make poker better. When people say, oh, is this good for poker? I'm like, sure, but is it an incremental change? Probably mm -hmm. not. A woman, winning, a woman winning the main event is probably the last thing remaining that will really draw massive eyeballs that will you know, maybe, I don't know, when we get a little bit of a shift out of that, maybe the total amount of female entries goes from one to 2%. Um, besides that, there's, there's no one cure to make this game better. I think the game is very good and healthy where it is. I think that there's a lot of, you know, reasons to point out that the game is doing very well. And I think it's just about steady growth and, and uh, keeping everyone happy. I think that's a good answer because a lot of those things are kind of uh, necessary, but no one of them is going to be sufficient on its own to really, you know, make the kind of transformative change that that I think, you know, could, could be in the future anyway. John, did you have one more question before we let Renko go? Yeah, we have a uh, question from Evil Roy in our chat. Is there any indication of where the WSOP edited episodes will air in Canada or other international markets? That is a great question. I do not know the answer to that. However, I will give you an answer. Uh, just send me a message on Twitter, at Remco Rinkema, and I'll ask our programming guys to, to find out the answer for you. And uh, then I'll let you know. And I believe that... Uh, so they're all airing on CBS uh, in the US. And I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe that a year from their airing, they basically expire. And then we can also put them on Boku Go. So worst case scenario... We'll ultimately have them on PokerGo, um, but we already have the live streams on PokerGo anyway right now, so you could watch all that stuff already. Uh, but I'm not sure about international, so I will do some digging for you and, and try to find out. 
Nice. Thanks, Remco. Well, uh, you've mentioned your Twitter handle a couple of times. It sounds like that's the best way for people to get in touch with you. We'll put that uh, link in the show notes as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited about that uh, Run Good event. We've sent a bunch of players down to various Run Good events. And uh, when this episode drops, there will be just a few days left in the week before that event comes up. So um, where where can people, do you want to pump that one more time? Just tell people how they can check that out or get more involved. Yeah, or- so we are broadcasting all three days of that event on PokerGo. So you, you can watch it all on PokerGo. Uh, I would say check out the Run Good Poker Series Twitter account for all the latest. I believe they're still doing qualifiers for that event. I believe still some at the Aria, which for local Vegas players uh, is the best best place to go. Um, and one one small plug on, on my end, um, I brought the podcast back with Donnie Peters during the WSOP. Uh, we called it the WSOP podcast. Now we're thinking of calling it the not WSOP podcast <laughs> until the WSOP comes back. Um, but we are thinking of going back to a weekly episodes um, right almost daily. I think we did 43 episodes in 55 days or something yeah. absurd like that. Um, I had no sleep for about a month and a half, but <laughs> it was all, it was all worth it. Um, we are, we are going to continue doing our shows. We're going to have guests like Josh Arie, Elia Lezra, Jeff Lasandro in the coming weeks uh, to talk about all the stuff that they have going on. Of course, Hall of Fame, POI, and Lasandro has a new book out, which I didn't know about, but I learned about that recently. I want to read that. Um, so yeah, uh, WSV podcast, search for it on your favorite podcasting devices. Uh, give us, give us a chance and join our, our discord channel, which I, bl- I would love to have you guys on as well. Hmm. Um, we're, we've recently started that. We got a, a couple people in there and it's, it's been, uh, it's been a fun, fun hanging out. And, um, I promise this and I always do. And I will promise it as well to your audience. If you want a tour of the Pokego studio during an event, let me know. I'll give, hey. I give tours. I don't have a flag to walk around with, <laughs> but I have a pretty loud voice, so I'll show you around, give you a behind-the-scenes, show you the control room, show you all the stuff that goes on inside that room. So during a live event, and we have um, uh, we have live tournaments uh, in the studio um, in 2022, tons of them. Um, please hit me up on Twitter if you wanna if you wanna enjoy that, and I'll and I'll be there uh, to guide you around. There we go. Well, Remco, Remco. <laughs> we got a lot of fun out of this today and i think people are going to be looking that up on uh, looking you up on your twitter handle because that's too good a deal to pass up i think now you're Absolutely. just you're just, you're just going to walk them around for free they don't got to bring you a beer or anything like that um t- tips are tips are uh, <laughs> appreciated but not required um if i would take tips and beers i would i would be an alcoholic so let's <laughs> go that route but if you want me to bring me something fun from for wherever you're traveling fun uh, from uh, I, I do appreciate it, but no, nothing is necessary. I just love doing it. I'll be at the studio for those events anyway. And if people love the game as much as I do, and if they, if they want to come to the studio to check it out, I promise you, it's a very unique space. There's nothing like it in poker, mm. and uh, it gives you a better understanding of, of what goes into uh, creating a show like uh, the ones that we do. Nice. Well, thank you so much for your time tonight and for taking us behind the curtain and uh, sharing uh, your story with us and giving us some access. Uh, the real Jim, Jim Gibson in the chat says he likes the un-WSOP. Uh, <laughs> so just factor that in for your naming choices. I will. I will look into that. Thanks, guys, so much. Um, whenever you guys want to have me on again, uh, please let me know. I will probably have some behind-the-scenes high-tech poker stories uh, once nice. we're able to announce those lineups. Uh, fingers crossed everyone shows up um, but, uh, that's no chance be, zero that's, chance uh, yeah there's a zero <laughs> chance they all show up that's that's true um, either way it's going to be a good time stay tuned that'd be that. great that'd be great thank you so much Remco all right well we'll hear what our friend Jonathan Little has to say about what's going on here and then we'll catch up uh, on the back half of the pod have you ever wondered whether you should call a preflop raise or three bet instead what do you do when you have a flush draw do you raise it or do you just call what do you do with ace king when you miss the flop Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? 
Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at PokerCoaching.com slash RecPoker right now. And folks, if I hear that you've been guessing or stressing, there's going to be a problem. So really just go to uh, pokercoaching.com slash rec poker and sign up today. And if you don't like what Jonathan Little's got to share, he will give you your money back. Uh, so do go and take advantage of that. Well, that was awesome. I've been t- I wanted to have uh, Remco on the show for a while. And of course, it's been so busy with uh, uh, with the series and everything coming up. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. And he, he he is a really fun guy in real life, too, and very generous with his time and that sort of thing. Um, any thoughts right off the bat? I, I really think he's one of the most genuinely passionate people about mm. poker. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's one of the things he has in common with. I think Chad Holloway is also that way where, you know, they'd be involved with poker, even if it wasn't part of their job. They'd be playing it or, Mm -hmm. you know, following it or all of that type of stuff. And I think it really comes through in everything that he does. Yeah. And, you know, that's the rec poker way, isn't it? Yeah, Chris. The daily podcasts they were doing, I I mean, I I couldn't keep up with them all because I was (laughs) watching too much of the coverage. But I did listen to some of them. They're really good. Uh, The the interview with Karai Aldemir is is great. And they talk about some specific spots. Um, So uh, I'll just give a plug for that as well as i um so and he's he's just a really good host hmm. and uh chris i know we have to set you loose free because we're recording the uh monthly seminar in if in, in just about half an hour or so um mm-hmm. so why don't you give us the update on what's going on in, in member community land uh before we send say goodbye well, we're about to record a seminar, which I think will be out by the time this episode comes out, um, about uh, PKOs. So we'll be uh, looking at a table full of PKOs for the seminar for December. Um, and I'm pretty excited about it. Taylor Moss is going to join us. As always, we're going to get Dara O'Kearney to look at a spot. Um, and then, um, so that's going to be the December one. And then we're going to be really thinking about the 2022 schedule fairly mm-hmm. fairly soon so stay tuned there may be some news coming we're trying to think about how we're going to run that that uh uh the seminars in the in the coming year cool it's been such a treat uh premium player premium members get to play against each other in these uh simulated games and then daro carney and chris jones pick a few spots and break down the play of our members. So if you're a member at Rec Poker and you'd like to get your play analyzed by Dara Fricado Cardi, uh, by all means, just join us in the monthly seminar recording and uh, and get, get some feedback there. That's awesome. And I know you've got uh, the focus as well on uh, the second Wednesday of every month. Um, last time, I think we used Poker Tracker Four to review some hands from a recent tournament win. That was a yeah, great- yeah. And this, uh, this we've been looking at the Inside the Mind of the Pro series, um, and we may return to that. But we may also do the next one. I'm thinking we might do a little bit of um, uh, of a solver GTO Plus kind of exploration too. So I'm kind of of two minds where to go there, but we'll see. We always get into some sort of rabbit hole. <laughs> it's true. Well, if you're, if you're listening, um, if you want to join the fun, 
um, get a free community account at rec.poker. And over on your left, you'll see this red bar with a bunch of different icons on it. One of them is groups. Go click on that and go join some groups, folks, because it's a, it, we get a lot out of uh, forum posts between the groups. We message within the groups. We have events within the groups. And it's a great way to pool our learning uh, and to learn together. And there's got to be, there's a group out there for every type of poker activity you're interested in, every style of learning, all our different kinds of learning and a discussion events. Um, so go join a group and uh, find people that want to learn the way you want to learn. Uh, and then you can all learn together, whether it's the seminar, the focus, the book study, uh, all of our individual wrecking crew members, own study groups and stuff like that. It's just, there's a wealth of information available there. And it just is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, John and Rob, what's going on in your areas of uh, Rec Poker Nation? Do you want us to both talk at the same time? Ideally, I was kind of setting you up to fail there, wasn't I? <laughs> Okay, then in that case, Rob, talking, <laughs> and I'll. Uh... <laughs> Why don't you go first, Rob? I know we're getting close to the end of uh, Michael Acevedo's Modern Poker Theory. Yeah, we hope so. We're we're getting. There. <laughs> we hope so. <laughs> it's been a long. It's been well, it's a only long been four journey. years since you started. I think. Yeah, we uh... started back in 2012. I think wasn't it? Like nine years. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh. No, we're we're doing it every first and third Wednesday uh, at uh, six thirty Central Time. Uh, it's a Zoom meeting, and it's open to all um, premium members can come and join. And we talk over um, the various chapters. I think by the time you hear this, we'll have gone through everything about uh, post flop play on the on the flop, and we'll be getting into post flop play on the tournament, and then into the end game. So. We are getting close to the end of the book, and we've gone through it pretty extensively, had a lot of good conversation, and learning how do we apply all of this learning that we have to our actual games that we play on a day-to-day basis, and that's where a lot of the discussion leads to. So it's kind of it's kind of good. It's, uh, it's definitely worth coming and uh, joining the conversation, and if you can't, you can always catch up, uh, go to the... Uh, group like jim said the groups in uh uh rec poker and there's a group for the book study and we've got all of the videos there from the past uh sessions and not only that book but any of the books that we did prior are all there so you can get it caught up on where we've been what we've done and where we're going that's going to be great and i know um, it's almost time to start thinking about what the next book will be so if you're listening out there and you have a favorite poker book or one that you think other recreational players might benefit from uh, why don't you send us a tweet um you can uh, tweet us at rec poker and at rabman 50 isn't that right rob and that's uh, correct and that'd be because he's rabman 50 everywhere you see Yes. Uh, So that would be a good way to get it on our radar. Maybe we could do that book next. Or if it's a book that you've not read or you found intimidating or you've been putting off starting, send us a tweet. Maybe we'll uh, we'll put it in the book study and you can get a guided tour from our Zen master. (laughs) All right, John, what about in in, uh, home game land? I know we've got the heads up game coming soon, too. Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, We have, well... I'll start with those. So we're just about ready to have our end of the year TOC for the Nolan Hold'em series. And we're going to have the final heads up event that will earn you a spot in Marek Madness. Uh, and of course we'll have our T 
TLC series for whoever was a November winner. And we have now our November winners. Uh, John Lancer, John Vinsky got his third nightly victory for the year. Nice. East Coast Bitter Ben, his second. Oh, I was so close. We were heads up for that one, but he uh, he had the soul reads and he took me out to the shed. That was it. Nice win, Ben. Then we have J.S. Edom, Jeff S., Jay Sedum. <laughs> I don't know what we decided last time. I remember yeah, we, talk, knew we, how to do it. we were saying J.S. Sedum, but I was thinking that his name is J.S., so maybe it's mm. just Jeff Sedum. Maybe that's uh, his actual name. All right. Yep. We'll try right. just Jay Sedum. He got Sedum. a second nightly victory, and we'll probably have this same conversation <laughs> the next time he has as well. Pray three. <laughs> 71 Thomas Pena got his sixth nightly victory wow, for the year. Done, Digging eight graves mm-hmm. got his third or her third nightly victory for the year. Yeah, Fergie 56 Fergie. got her 11th. Oh my God. Victory for the year. That's approaching Kiki levels of dominance. That is it. It'll be interesting. I mean, if she's gotten, 11 nightly. There are other series, although I don't think she plays the international too right. much. No, I but, see your point, though. Yeah. But Creeping she could give him a run for his money there. Mm-hmm. Dark Horse. Chad McBean won the mixed series oh, this week. He got the play. He got the podcast run good bump there. Comes yeah. on the show. Boom. Gets himself this uh, uh, bronze pin. Way to go, Chad. Jasper Jr. Patrick Berry. Love that guy. Sixth international victory. That's awesome. Evil Roy CA, David In Westerville. the house, Evil Roy. Eighth <laughs> international victory. What? And MN Ted Philip Fuhrer got his second LPP victory. So be sure to contact Jim at rec.poker and you will get your free month, second free month, and, actually. And, and who did he Learn beat? Pro Poker. You know, who did he beat? Who did he beat? I didn't, I don't remember that right now. Oh, I think it was somebody that's near and dear to this podcast. <laughs> Mr. Fredland, I believe. Oh, is that the heads up? Oh, oh he got Steve in the heads up. <laughs> so so this week, this week, Steve really and I both. Head, heads up, Brian. Yeah, he had a really soft. <laughs> Steve and I both lost heads up this week. Uh, I did too, to uh, digging eight graves. Oh yeah, right. I was heads up with him earlier this oh, week. So, so it's a little, a little early Christmas present to us. Are we getting get to, to room to work on. Yeah, no kidding. massacred by the members. They're killing mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Only and a matter of time. I just wanted to relay. I have confirmed that it was indeed Rec Poker Steve. Although some of the other top ten were strong players, so I don't think <laughs> you should take anything away from MN Ted on that victory. <laughs> oh, we've got some great comments in the chat here. Jim Gibson says we start calling this the Bridesmaid Podcast. I think you're onto something there. I think oh, you're onto yeah, something there, Jim. <laughs> and uh, Evil Roy, who's actually who we just uh, announced as being a winner for um, one of those on international events on Saturday. He says that uh, Dario Carney's new book is on his Christmas list. That is a smart move, my man. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there, too. I had a chance to kind of flip through it um, while we were talking a couple months ago, and I'm excited for that. Um, all right. Well, I see uh, Dave and Jim and Martha are uh, packing up and getting ready to get out of here. I guess there's one more thing I should say. Um, if 
we're, we're changing the way we're doing our pins a little bit now. So premium member, we've always had the rec poker pins and we've always made them free uh, for premium members. And we're still going to do that. But what we're going to do is we're shifting to, we're just going to mail them out once a year. It's just too complicated. There's so many pins, there's so many orders and shipping labels and stuff like that. And Steve does all this stuff by hand. So just to make it easier for Steve, um, if you're a premium member, every January, we're going to take all the pins that you've earned up until that point that you haven't received, and we'll just mail them out to you. Um, If you are not a premium member, then you should go anytime you want. You can go to the Rec Poker shop. And you'll see in the merch uh, section there, you'll see pins. If you, uh, what we're doing is, if you're not a premium member, we're going to charge you $20 just for the shipping and handling and stuff. The pin, the pin itself is free. It doesn't matter if you're getting one pin or 20 pins. Uh, just to just to make it easier for us to get everything together and to mail it out, because we're kind of taking a bath on mailing these things all over the country uh, and internationally, let alone. So go to the shop. And you can select pins from the merch department and enter your mailing info. And uh, it costs 20 bucks. It's just for shipping and handling. And we'll send you out all the pins that you've earned, that you have not earned, that you haven't received so far. So it's not like you have to do this every year or every time you win a pin or anything. But if you've got a pin that uh, you'd like sent, uh, we're still sending it out free with the merch for our final merch order. And we're sending it out free to premium members. So if you uh, don't have any merch coming and you don't uh, want to join premium, even just for a month, uh, you can go and uh, and claim your pins through the shop there for 20 bucks. But I will tell you again, Rec Poker premium membership is only $15 a month. So if you want to save five bucks on your pins, maybe just become a premium member for a month. And again, folks, you can get your first month for only $5 if you use the code Rec Poker when you sign up. So. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, maybe if you want to join for five bucks, use the code RecPoker, see what we got going on here for a month, get your pins ordered to you. I would recommend January be the month that you choose because there's a good chance Steve will mail you out your pins at that point. Um, and if you have any questions about that, you can always just email me, Jim at rec.poker. And, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to do everything right. And we're trying to make all the right decisions and trade-offs when it comes to this stuff. So if you feel like there's something we could be doing better or that we're not you know, handling every aspect of what we do here at Rec Poker perfectly. I take that very seriously. And so does John and Rob and Steve and Chris and Taylor and Mark and uh, Andrew and Chad and everybody else who makes uh, the wheels move around here. So don't be shy. The only thing um, we like more than constructive criticism is just unbounded glee. So either one of those are great to receive in an email. So really don't be shy. All right. Well, uh, any other thoughts for our audience before we send them on their way with the dulcet strummings of actually i'm not sure one of steve's friends i think does the outro music but it makes me smile every time i hear it so well you know as we are entering the holiday season i just after you saying that i think we should wish everyone unbounded glee (laughs) we should be so lucky john we should all be so lucky um i like that note well i want to thank uh Evil Roy, Jim Gibson, and Martha for hanging out in the chat. Uh, Rob and John, and of course, Remco himself. Remco, Remco. All right, everybody. And Chris. And Chris. All right, thanks. Thanks, John. See you later, guys.